What are you doing, Anthony? My, that's real good, whatever it is. I was just wondering what you were doing. I made a gopher with three heads. See him? Yeah. Yeah, my, my, he's a real fine one. I ain't never seen a gopher with three heads before. I'll make him dead now. I'm tired of playing with him. Be dead. Gopher, you be dead. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we're joined by special guest uh, this week, uh, Steve. Hello, everyone. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you introduce him since okay. you do the other show with him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's my co-host on Invasion of the Podcast. It's, uh, it's Mr. Steve King. He's, uh, he you, I guess you, you're the horror maestro on the, the, the series um, Invasion, but... Uh, I've proven recently there's a lot of movies that I've seen that you've not seen. Yeah, on there. <laughs> so I don't know that horror maestro really fits me. Yeah, but, I'd, uh, I couldn't think of what am I the maestro of? Uh, it's, um, uh, Tom Cruise running. Yeah, Tom Cruise <laughs> running. Seventies <laughs> weird that no one else has heard of. But then when we talk about some of these connections, you're like, oh, I have that. I have seven of those. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I was just talking about a Nazi exploitation movie yesterday, and I was like, I think I own that. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that's true. And also, it's a rare occasion that we're all in the same room together. So that, that, this is a, a rare treat, everybody. Kevin and I get to see ourselves face to face as we make bad jokes, as opposed to over Skype. So yeah, I can't yeah. roll my eyes and uh... <laughs> he, he can't blame lag. Or, yeah, or, or, or Skype. You know, be sorry, like, what was that? I'm sorry, that joke. I just I didn't hear it. So yeah, um, all right. Uh, yeah, uh, so we'll get more into to Steve and, and his experience with Twilight Zone here in a second. But let's go ahead and introduce the episode proper. Uh, it's season three, episode eight. It's a good life. Uh, air date November third, nineteen sixty one. Uh, I have a mea culpa from last week. I screwed up what the number one song was. Um, not that that matters because it's fifty years old. I'll blame but, it on lag. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the number one song uh, last week was actually "Run Around uh, Run Around Sue" by Dion. Um, and then, but this week is actually "Big Bad" or "Big Bad John" by Jimmy Dean. So I don't know why. I just felt like I had to clarify that because they're both cool songs. Yeah. Uh, number one film: The Comancheros. Uh, John Wayne Western, I've not seen. There you go. Um, more Western. More talk. Westerns, yeah. So t- Twilight Zone tie ins to the Comancheros. Um, Lee Marvin and Jack Elam are in that film. So, oh, nice. Crazy uh, eyes, Jack Elam. Yeah, and um, and drunk on a horse, uh, Lee Marvin. <laughs> uh, Douglas Hayes was supposed to direct the film at one point, but then uh, that changed. So we talked about Douglas Hayes a lot. We miss him as a director on the series. And it's like, I keep seeing all these near misses of things that he was supposed to be part of doing. Cause we, we talked about it. And we're like, this guy does good work. Like, why didn't he go to movies? It's like, it looks like he was trying to, Yeah, you know? So that would have been interesting. I, I feel like that movie would have been, uh, 
way uh, better visually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, for the the day of November third, sixty one, uh, United United Artists announced the selection of actor Sean Connery to portray James Bond in the upcoming film Doctor No. Nice. Uh, Patrick McGowan turned down the role, and Roger Moore um, was unavailable due to his commitments on the TV show The Saint. So <laughs> Roger Moore was going to be Bond earlier than he was. Interesting. Um, yeah, I just I. I recently bought a bunch of the old uh, James Bond books, and I made the mistake. I picked up Dr. No thinking it was the first book. It is not. No. <laughs> I think it was Casino Royale is the yeah, think, first yeah, one. I think you're right. If I'm not mistaken. But I started reading it. I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's no introduction to this character in the series. <laughs> but, you know, go back to your love of Mission Impossible. What do we know about Ethan Hunt? So I just think, you know, just go in. Bond's Bond, you know, I don't know. True. I, I don't know, but he doesn't run as fast. He doesn't run as fast. I know. Uh, so the day after uh, the November fourth, nineteen sixty-one, just of important notice, Ralph Macchio was born. Um, so American film and television actor, if you guys aren't aware, uh, he. So the, the nineteen sixty-one, he was born. He that would make him twenty-three when he was in the Karate Kid playing but he has like those little pipe arms like those little pipe cleaner arms yeah of like you know of like a freshman in high school but he yeah, was he 23 looked like, he looked like he was 12 up until like the time he was 30 so. yeah i mean he's starting to show a little bit now with uh the cobra kai stuff but yeah he still he still looks pretty pretty young i thought he was gonna be like the portrait of dorian gray for his entire life but, uh, <laughs> so um yeah that's all i got for uh for day and date and um the episode beginning here cool so yeah uh, we'll jump into cast and crew uh, this episode was uh, directed by James Sheldon, uh, who we previously talked about in the episode, The Whole Truth. Um, so if you want to hear us talk about his career, you can go back to that one, um, that great episode. He also directed, I'll mention it, A Penny for Your Thoughts and Long Distance Call, which has some, uh, dare I say, callbacks to this episode. Well, this episode yeah, I like uh, that he does an episode involving uh, mind reading previous yeah. to this one. So. Yeah. Um, and then he'll do two other future episodes, so we'll talk about James Sheldon uh, again later on. The teleplay for this was written by Rod Serling, but it was based on a short story by Jerome Bigsby. Um, and it was a story first published in Science Fiction, Star Science Fiction magazine in 1953. Ended up getting picked up. It was in a bunch of other ones all the way into like the mid-60s. Uh, Serling found it. I guess when it was initially published, people did not like it. It was not received well. Uh, but after Serling picked it up and put it in this episode, it became like an instant classic. Hmm. The guy ended up in like the late 60s, I think, being put into the science fiction writers hall of fame or something. I mean, all it takes Just, is like one person liking it. Like, yeah, uh, wasn't like Stephen King's um, like his excitement for Evil Dead that got people on board with that. Like he, he kind of was like, you know, he was one of the big supporters behind. Yeah. I know his, I think his quote is on the one famous poster, like the blue poster with the hand reaching up and stuff. Um, but yeah, I tried to find, I'm not really familiar with him. He wrote the story for fantastic voyage from 1966. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Is that, that's not the, uh, the shrinking of the, no, that's, um, no, the the tiny ship and the person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not it. Um, I don't think so. It's been a long time. But, yeah, um, yeah he wrote that. He wrote a bunch of episodes for Star Trek, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. But for the most part, he was just a short story writer. And this was his, this is pretty much his biggest work. And um, you can even go and see this kind of influencing, I guess, the uh, next couple of years, The Bad Seed came out. Uh, the Lord of the Flies film, I guess, came out. And there were some things taken from the short story. So, 
it, it's kind of impressive that he, the guy wrote like a hundred some short stories, and this one is the reason he's remembered. Yeah, I, I tried looking up information about him. I didn't find much, so because <clears throat> I thought because with this being like a very iconic episode of the Twilight Zone, like this is another one of those ones that people may never have watched the series, but like there's visual cues in this that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought there'd be more information about him, but yeah. I, I just didn't find much. So um, yeah, I, w- I was hoping. I I mean, obviously, I haven't dug in any further than this short story, which I uh, skimmed through. I didn't have time to read it in full, but it. It is very close to this episode. I'll talk about some of the changes that Serling made, probably for the better in this episode, <laughs> or maybe for worse. I don't know. It's uh, in in my opinion, I think Serling made some decent changes, um, but he usually has a good uh, good eye for that, right? Sometimes. <laughs> Did you guys uh, know that he was a brother of Bill Bixby? Really? No, I just I, made that up. Oh, I was like, I wanted oh, to contribute, so uh, I, I made it. Oh, okay. I, I just felt back. Like, so I told Steve, I was like, when you come on the show, I was like, don't worry, we'll do all the research. And he's just sitting here being like, are you guys done talking about this? Well, like, well, I've caught myself nodding a couple times, like I'm listening to the show. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to talk, man. I, I like the idea of being like, I was really good listening on that episode. I thought you were going to say he was the brother of uh, Clayton Bixby. Oh. <laughs> the, the Black Klansman from yeah. the Chappelle show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be, that'd be weirder, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into cast, I mean, we just want to like take take a second and talk about uh, your interest in the Twilight Zone and what brings you to it. Because I feel like anytime we have a guest on, we want to have that bit of conversation. Or did you want to get through the cast first? No, we. I, I we guess a, we, we usually do that before cast and crew. Yeah, but and yeah, we, we can jump. And into we have it a now. two minute long Serling like bit, so I'd rather get to some conversation. <laughs> yeah, before we get to let's that. do that. Yeah. So, so Steve, uh, your experience with Twilight Zone. Uh. So. With The Twilight Zone, I feel like uh, it's one of those shows that people think that they've seen all the episodes, and then mm-hmm. when they dig in, I'm sure you guys are aware of this, once you start digging in, you're like, I really have not seen nearly as many as these as I've seen, as I yeah. thought I saw. Um, growing up, I feel like this was uh, one of the shows that... Uh... I just got attacked by Chuck Norris. As you're <laughs> Sorry. Talking. Is that the Karate Commando figure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, you're, I'm listening to you like, that's oh. a really good story. And then Chuck Norris drops from the ceiling and almost kills me. We were just talking about podcasts being unprofessional. And I stand up and turn the fan on and Chuck Norris action figure falls on Paul. I'm sorry. Inches, inches away from my hurting shoulder right now. Too. He, almost, he almost killed me. That was, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, listen, I'm like, what the? Chuck Norris? Yeah. So anyway, so tell us more about your interest in Chuck Norris <laughs> yes. and his karate commandos. <laughs> Uh, but growing up, like, I, I feel like it was always the show that was either on late at night or, like, like noon every day. Like, it was always in syndication. And I'd watched it, and I just, for whatever reason, had always felt like I had seen all of them. And then, you know, I've watched a couple of the marathons with friends at, like, Christmas and stuff like that. And once uh, I got introduced to Paul, um, I started listening to Invasion first because I wasn't initially on it. And then he was like, hey, I have another show, Strange Highways. It's all about the Twilight Zone. I was like, oh, yeah. And I start listening to you guys thinking, I'm like, oh, I probably know every episode that they're going to talk about. And I'm like, I don't know any of these episodes. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) And so I went back and started watching them. And like now I'm, I'm at the point where I think I'm only a couple episodes ahead of you guys, but... Uh, my main thing that I really enjoy is listening to you guys. Like, I'll watch a couple episodes, you know, bank them, and then listen to a couple episodes, and then watch a couple more. Um, because I feel like I learn just as much listening to you guys as I would like 
it's it's very nice to have like a, almost a commentary every week after an episode. So well, I appreciate it. This yeah. is the nicest any guest has ever been to us. <laughs> and, and you I can know, come on anytime you want. Well, you also told me that your favorite episode so far was the Mighty Casey from season oh. one. <laughs> I was going to make the joke that this was All right, I take the, it back. You can get out. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make the joke that this was the in defense of I Shot an Arrow uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He, that was he, the he one actually I kept didn't mind that on one. And I, yeah. Well, I we, think... sh- we should do a bonus episode sometime, and uh, we, can, we can have a debate about that episode. Cause... I do think I got caught up on your Facebook a couple times where you guys kept telling me, yeah, the the, the twist meter is not a, the a rating, rating of the of episode. episode. Yeah, so, I kept going like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This classic episode, one star. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, well, I mean, yeah, thank you for being kind for us, for me stumbling through every week trying to say something important about the Twilight Zone, which is all based off the internet and books I read. It isn't like yeah. I bring anything different. I just read. Well, stuff we bring our opinions. That's yeah, true. Yeah. You know, everybody has a different uh, viewpoint. Everybody has something to say. Uh, so it's. Your yep. viewpoint is different than mine, which is different than Steve's. I shot an arrow, so. Uh, <laughs> um, so I don't know how did this episode I because I forgot you were coming on the show until like what two weeks Last ago week. or something. <laughs> Last week when I was on invasion, and um, how did you guys pick this episode? Did, I picked it. You because, picked it for um, him, okay? Because I mean, I know you were kind of already ahead of us and watching sequentially, yeah. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to task you with something that you hadn't seen yet. And also, I knew that, like, and, like, Kevin has made it a point to bring a guest on for the bigger, more, like, like, say, iconic episodes of the series. And what Time Magazine rated this is the third best of yeah, the series. Yeah, something like that. So I figured, people probably know this plot. People already probably know this one. So why not have just a, a bigger discussion, you know, that's when, and I know you've been liking the show and enjoying everything so far but i figured this is one that you were already familiar with so yeah so no pressure third right. best twilight zone episode <laughs> <laughs> so i so i picked oh. it just because of it's like it's being really famous so it's not like i you know it's not like i brought you on for you know the mirror you know whatever all right well i guess yeah. i can't ask you why you picked this episode then. <laughs> but uh do you have any history with this episode um outside of like Bill Mooney, who plays the little boy, um, mm-hmm. just watching Lost in Space as a kid, and then uh, I didn't watch a t- ton of uh, Babylon Five, but I know he was on that as well. Yeah. Um, what about the Simpsons Treehouse of Terror Two? So Whatever. that's oddly enough, I was going to mention that because like I tried to do prep work because I know you guys do a ton of it, and like the one thing that I noticed was is that Nancy Cartwright is in the film version of. Uh, it's a um, good life. And the Twilight Zone, the film. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the Simpsons and Treehouse of Terror 2, they actually do that story again. They parody it with Bart as uh, the little boy um, hmm. played by Nancy Cartwright. So it kind of comes around in this weird circle. That is weird. Um, I didn't realize I didn't put that together. But you, you, well, Kevin, have you seen that that segment? That's like it's, it's, I, it's the probably whole... at some point because I, I know I've seen all the Treehouse of Terrors up to maybe like five, six years ago. It's just the big thing is that Bart does the same thing to Homer what Anthony does to the guy in yeah. this episode. <laughs> okay. But then it becomes this whole thing where they now he now Homer has time to bond with them and they end up getting like really close and having a good father son relationship and that causes Bart to wake up in terror as he, as if he's having a nightmare because he's getting close <laughs> to his father. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I've probably seen it, but it's probably been, I don't know, 20 years or so. So, um, All right. Well, I guess we can jump into cast here. So first off, we have John Larch, who plays Mr. Fremont, uh, who has previously been in two episodes we've talked about. Mm-hmm. He was the doctor, the psychiatrist, and perchance the dream. 
Um, so if you want to hear us talk about John Larch's career, go back to that episode for sure. Fantastic he, episode. Well, he was actually the sheriff in Dust. That's where we, we, we discovered him like because he was the, the Solon sheriff. That's right. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was going to mention next. Yeah. Um, Perchance a dream was before that, right? That was or, first season, but that, okay. But, but he was the doctor at the office, and the one guy's like, "If I just go to sleep, that crazy cat lady is going to kill yeah. me." So we didn't really get a chance to. to, to he, there, I don't think we talked about it much then. Okay, but well, either but of Dust, those, he but was really good. Yeah, yeah, Dust seems to be that episode that's just haunting us. Um, I'm I'm gonna watch that movie version of it at some point. Uh, so next up, we have Cloris Leachman who plays Mrs. Fremont. This, unfortunately, was her only Twilight Zone appearance, but she was in one episode of the Night Gallery, and she ended up being in the uh, the early 2000s Twilight Zone series doing a sequel to this episode. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I I didn't want to I didn't want to watch it before this episode because I didn't want it to color my opinion of this one. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I haven't seen it either. No, it's called but it's I still just, a good life. I think yeah. it's called. Yeah. yeah. I ju- I just didn't want to add anything else onto the story because this is such a bizarre teleplay. Yeah. <laughs> that I d- I didn't want any kind of closure or anything. I just wanted to leave it with this episode. But I'm curious to see what they did with that because I believe her and uh, Bill Mooney are both in that. Yeah, together. so like it's funny that you say. It. So I I not watched the episode, but whenever um, the CW whoever was doing the revival, yeah, uh, uh, Bill um, Mummy, uh, whatever I, I'm gonna mess, I'm gonna call him Mummy, and that's not right. Uh, you know, Bill Yummy Mummy, Mummy Daddy, uh, yeah, Mummy Daddy. <laughs> uh, yes, his next door neighbor was the guy who was actually involved in the revival, and he went over to him and was like, "Should I do this?" He's like, "Absolutely." He's like, "Because I trust you." to keep it like you know to kind of uh, keep the flame burning and do it right so he actually convinced this guy to to be part of the the revival and i'm not hitting everybody else's microphone stands that was chuck norris attacking somebody no um so whenever they did this his buddy came back to him and said hey what if we revisited the story and he's like i'm down and 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 he actually went to course leachman was like you know would you be interested in doing this so it was kind of like that's cool this kind of like you know we would like to do this and everybody got excited to do it again so yeah that was well i know bill mooney has been on record saying that this is his favorite thing he ever did in his career was yeah. this original twilight zone thing but i i kind of call bullshit on that because i doubt he remembers being on set that much well like, no he has some stories he? about like he does have yeah, stories oh, yeah. all right well maybe um so but yeah but the thing about Cloris leachman is i didn't realize that was her the first time i watched it like, because I, I didn't go through the cast list. I tried to watch these, like, blind just to kind of just get a feel for it. And then, uh, then, then the second time watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is her. Because, I like, unfortunately, I always think of her as older. Yeah. You know? Um, well, that's when she really made her mark. Well, I mean, she She's was in young... acting for over 50 years. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But she was in Young Frankenstein. A great, great moment there. Yeah, which know, is which is what I know her most from. <laughs> I, I, I remember her Facts from... Facts of Life. Facts yeah. of Life. But uh, she was the grandmother of Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, and wow, she was yeah. like just this like horrible German grandmother that oh, was, yeah. could never please. <laughs> um, but I didn't know she also won an Oscar for 1971's The Last Picture Show. So yeah. she's an Oscar and winner. I didn't know she that. won eight Emmys over her career. Yeah, for work on I think Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. She was the landlord who ended up getting a spinoff show called Phyllis, <laughs> um, which is not the most <laughs> exciting title for a TV show, but. No, uh, <laughs> but well, there was other shows that spun off from Mary Tyler Moore. They were just the names of people, right? Like yeah, that was, yeah, uh, I believe so. Rhoda. Yeah, Rhoda. Yeah, that's um, right. Oh, what was the one B. Arthur was in? Uh, Maud. Maud, and then um, then the boss uh, Ed Asner. What was that? Lou. 
Yeah, Luke, Luke Grant. Grant. So all the spinoffs are just names of people. Why do I know so much about the <laughs> yeah, yeah. of Mary thank Tyler you, Moore? Thank you, Steve. <laughs> the, uh, this is no my is of, of Mary Tyler Moore. Here. This is the Mary Tyler Moore podcast, and then we're going to throw our hats in the air, and it's going to freeze frame. No, um, but yeah, she did mostly TV work throughout her career. That was really what she was known for. Um, though she picked some good films to work on. So yeah, Well, and I, I'm going to put out a not-so-good film that I enjoyed, and she's in it for a second, is The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Like, oh, I, she was in that? Yeah, she was with the older lady. I missed that. that. I just real fast. But yeah, that it, movie, it's not a good movie, but it has enough going for it that I enjoyed it a great deal. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. Yeah. It's not terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is probably one of the biggest actresses I think we've uh, really talked about on the show so far. Yeah. I mean, I um, didn't realize how prolific you know her career actually is because she's still working. Yeah, know, so. she's working up to this day. She yeah. just uh, she did some voice work in the Crudes film that came out <laughs> recently. She's gonna be in the second one. Yeah, and uh, what else she's was getting, there? She's getting that Nick Cage voiceover money. Is what she's getting. A show I started but didn't finish. She was on uh, American Gods. Oh, and she was also in like a sitcom recently called Raising Hope. Well, yeah, actually, it's, I guess, but not she's got a bunch of yeah, stuff yeah, in yeah, post production, yeah. so she's still she's still definitely going. Yeah. Um, Oh wait! Also, I, what do they have here? She was in an episode of Hawaiian Eye, by the way. Oh, yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, all so right. there you go. Cool. Now she is your favorite actress of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we have Don Kiefer as Dan Hollis, who uh, most of us would know him as the janitor in Creep Show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I wrote down. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that matters, really. Yeah. Uh, but he was in two other episodes of The Twilight Zone. He was also in another fun horror movie, which I think I've referenced on the show before, The Car. Oh, I still need to see that. With, I know, that's, uh, that's with a, James Brolin. Yeah, I, I know. haven't seen it in ages, but yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've talked about it on the show because I think somebody else popped up. And, uh, can, can, I, can I just admit something that has nothing to do with Twilight Zone, but it's like a shameless thing? Today, I, I went home, I left work early, and I was just trying to find something to watch. And I don't know why. I started watching The Burbs. I have never seen The Burbs before with That's Tom fun. Hanks and yeah. everything. Well, because it's kind of a creepy like, kind yeah. of film. About halfway through. I don't know how it ends. It's not bad. <laughs> 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 Just want to throw that out there. Everyone's going to be like, you've never seen this? Like, no. I'll be know. looking forward to the update next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, next week he's going to be like, that movie sucked. I can't believe it. The wheels fell off the second <laughs> half. Like, I meant to bring up, I played croquet this weekend yeah. and I killed it. Oh, yeah? Did I you? was in last place. Everyone else was trying to get through the last two... Wickets. Whatever wickets, whatever they are. I like that you killed it, but you can't. You don't know the, the terms of the game. Oh yeah, I didn't even know the rules. They're like, well, you're poisoned now. You got to take everyone else out. I was like, oh okay. So yeah. I was, I was like, still on the second wicket. They finished, and I came back and ended up winning. Nice. It was, it was, it was there, fantastic. There's a lot of Game of Thrones style betrayals that could happen in croquet. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> But if you guys have been following episode to episode... I'm glad uh, that you had success on the pitch, and I did not. Yeah, so. unfortunately, <laughs> there were no prizes up for it, so my victory meant nothing. Yeah. All right, next up, we have uh, Bill Moomy, who we uh, previously talked about. It plays Anthony Fremont. He was also the kid on The Twilight Zone on Long Distance Call, Yeah. which I was a uh, pretty big fan of. Paul was kind of lukewarm on it, but... <laughs> yep, not there, so much. There's definitely a uh, uptick in his performance in this. He yeah, got, he hope, got yeah. significantly better from that episode to this one. It's because yeah. he got to wear the long pants. That's why. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it's, it's such a stupid joke, but I'm always going to bring it's, it up. It's forever. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he was in one other episode of the Twilight Zone, and he also, like we said, he pops up in that uh, 2003 episode mm -hmm. sequel to this. I don't know if you guys want to say anything else about I, I Moomy got Daddy. Two two things about him, real <laughs> quick. Uh, one is, is uh, 
He uh, performed with Richard, or I'm sorry, Robert Hamer as Barnes and Barnes, recording the hit novelty song Fish Heads in 1978. He's, uh, it is currently the most requested song in the history of Do- the Dr. Demento show. Yeah. Um, which I just thought was weird that he's. Oh, I know that, that song. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Sheds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that he introduced Weird Al to his wife. Oh. Yeah. To, to, to Bill Mooney's wife or Weird Al to his own <laughs> wife? Weird Al to his wife, I should say. <laughs> well, no, because That's Weird Al, like, like he um, would submit all, like when he was an architect student and in college, he would submit all his recordings to Dr. Demento. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm sure there's crossover there. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Weird. Does he like county fairs, though? That's all <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we have Alice Frost, who plays Aunt Amy. Uh, she was previously in 16mm Shrine episode of The Twilight Zone. Not really too much else about her, unless yeah, you guys have anything. Yeah. All right. Then we have Max Showalter as Pat Riley, the piano playing Pat Riley, who was in one episode of Tw- Hawaiian Eye. Yeah. Uh, only episode of Twilight Zone he ever did. And uh, the only other thing I wrote down was 16 Candles. Which That's what I know him from. Is yeah. Grandpa yeah. He was in the pilot for Leave it to Beaver. He was Ward Cleaver, and they recast him. Oh, so like you know, well, he could have actually went on to something like you know more. I could see him in yeah. that role for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, as well as how do you how how do you feel to be like oh I was supposed to be that guy and then Leo Beaver like becomes this big successful thing. It's like oh I was going to be that guy. You know, that's like being like Richie Cunningham's older brother and the yeah. pilot to Happy Days. You never see him again. Yeah. Um, then we have Gene Bates who plays Ethel Hollis, uh, the wife of uh, was it. Don, yeah, Don, Dan, Dan Hollis. Yeah. Sorry, um, she was in. Strangely enough, I I was shocked to see it. She was in Mulholland Drive. Andy Racerhead from David Lynch. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I saw Mulholland Drive. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. And I saw Eraserhead, and I I didn't see what character she played in that. But I'd be curious to go back now. I put a note in here so uh, for people to look up her IMDb.com photo, uh, which I mean we're all sitting around a table right now. Normally we're just sitting at a computer, but. Uh, it's it's not a photo. It's a sketch. It's a really weird. Oh, thing. I saw that. Yeah, because yeah, I thought sometimes IMDb doesn't even give a picture. Yeah, and a bunch of cast members on this episode had no picture, and it's like this white and gray sketch of her. And I thought she had no picture until I clicked on it and I saw that drawing. Yeah, it was. It's it was, like it's part of a bigger thing for something that she was part of. But it's like hmm. that's whoever chose that's that's a representation of her. That's kind of cool. I mean, if you're not known for much. I guess, you know, if you're going to do something stylistic, you know, but yeah, I thought that was odd because normally I, I will go and try to find weird IMDb.com photos or Wikipedia stuff because like, why not? Right. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. She was in Die Hard 2. There you go. Wow. So that's kind of with, with our boy Franco Nero. Yes. Pretty uh, eyes Franco Nero. Yeah. Wait, Franco Nero's in Die Hard 2. Oh yeah. He's the main villain. Is, is that, I haven't seen Die Hard 2 in like 20 yeah. years. He's the, yeah, he's the that? one that takes over the plane in the beginning. Really? Yeah. I, I have no memory of him. That's being like in that his movie. only Hollywood film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. I don't know how he didn't cross over, but that was like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this was her only Twilight Zone episode. And then I'll just mention the last two just because there are only two more credits, but I don't really have anything for them. We have Lenore Kingston, who plays Thelma Dunn. Who, I don't even know who that is in this episode. Yeah. Uh, only Twilight Zone episode. And Tom Hatcher, who has a bigger role as Bill Soames, the delivery boy for the grocery store. Uh, this was his only Twilight Zone. He only had about four credits to his name. I, I just feel like he's. He, we played him at the beginning. Something about his uh, the way he said things, the way he kind of looked. He kind of reminded me of Walton Goggins a little bit. Like I don't know something yeah. about like that's really good, Anthony. That's really good. I'll go make you a cup of coffee the way you like it right now. Like you know, 
just like weird. I don't know. I got a weird vibe from him. It was fine. Um, but yeah, he, he only has four credits and he had it. He, everybody in this episode had a weird kind of tilt to the delivery on purpose and in his, he kind of set the stage for what to expect. So I liked it. Yeah. I was, I was surprised to see how little he uh, acting he had done. Cause his performance is actually not, not that bad. There are some people that have weirder deliveries later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, I was surprised to see he had the least amount of credits out of anyone. All right. Yeah. So that's it. That's your, uh, your cast and crew. Um, tuck in. We're going to go for now. This is the longest Serling intro for the series. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to mute us. I might go to the bathroom during it. <laughs> yeah. It's longer than the episode itself. Tonight's story on the twilight zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This as you may recognize is a map of the United States and there's a little town there called Peaksville. On a given morning, not too long ago, the rest of the world disappeared, and Peaksville was left all alone. Its inhabitants were never sure whether the world was destroyed and only Peaksville left untouched, or whether the village had somehow been taken away. They were, on the other hand, sure of one thing, the cause. A monster had arrived in the village. Just by using his mind, he took away the automobiles, the electricity, the machines, because they displeased him. And he moved an entire community back into the Dark Ages. Just by using his mind, now I'd like to introduce you to some of the people in Peaksville, Ohio. This is Mr. Fremont. It's in his farmhouse that the monster resides. This is Mrs. Fremont. And this is Aunt Amy, who probably had more control over the monster in the beginning than almost anyone. But one day she forgot. She began to sing aloud. Now the monster doesn't like singing, so his mind snapped at her and turned her into the smiling, vacant thing you're looking at now. She sings no more. And you'll note that the people in Peaksville, Ohio, have to smile. They have to think happy thoughts and say happy things because once displeased, the monster can wish them into a cornfield or change them into a grotesque walking horror. This particular monster can read minds, you see. He knows every thought, he can feel every emotion. Oh yes, I did forget something, didn't I? I forgot to introduce you to the monster. This is the monster. His name is Anthony Fremont. He's six years old with a cute little boy face and blue guileless eyes. But when those eyes look at you, you'd better start thinking happy thoughts because the mind behind them is absolutely in charge. This is the Twilight Zone. That was the Twilight Zone. We're done now. All right. Thanks, yeah, Steve, for I, I guess on. <laughs> I guess we don't have to do any plot synopsis here. We don't um, have to even go through it. I just want to point out that like, he 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 states Mr. Fremont, and he's like the father of the monster, and then it's like, and this is Mrs. Fremont, and then there's nothing else said about her. It's like, <laughs> it's cool. I'm glad that you're introducing the characters, and you're just like, and she's the wife, and now we're moving on. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, this was. I I appreciate like that Serling. As, as much as I want to see him always interact with like the episodes, this almost feels like he's like, okay, class, now I got to tell you a real scary story. And I kind of like that. He took a little different approach to the introduction of this episode versus things we've seen. Yeah. This is unlike any episode I think we've seen so far because we we've had a long running joke that the longer the opening narration is the worse the episode is. I was going to ask you guys about that because this is like one of the most top rated episodes and it's the longest. Yeah. Opening this monologue. one breaks that mold. Yeah. I mean, and it, it gives you, he sets the stage and, it, and, but it's also, he's, 
he's providing a lot of color and texture, which sometimes you feel like he has to do that, especially knowing that the director of this directed the whole truth. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of, you know, one of Rod's uh, lemons and he had a really long intro to that one. But this one, it's like, I kind of like he, and we're going to get to the twist at the very end that he gives it to you at the beginning. And like, Oh, it's a monster, but the monster's the small boy. And it's like, and so I, I just, I appreciate that he's very upfront about like, this is not going to go the way you think. And I'm telling you exactly why. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I was a fan because this is a very, very much so kind of a slice of life ep- kind of episode kind of story. Cause you just get a moment. There's not very much resolution. There's not really, it's, it's just, here it is. You're going to watch a day in the life of these people and that's it. So yeah. I, it was, it was a very different type of teleplay than we've seen in any episode. Yeah, so, uh, Steve, like you, you, I know you enjoy a good Sterling intro. I like. Uh, how do you feel about this one versus ones you've seen? Yeah, I, th- I think this one works really well. I think that I don't know how to put it other than like if you took this, like some of those episodes, I think you can just take the intro out if you want and let it play. Mm-hmm. Like this, because it it starts from a place of horror and it doesn't really go anywhere beyond that in the sense like it just keeps building and building. I don't know if you didn't have the intro and then it just started with him talking to the milkman. You'd be like, what is going on? It's not the milkman. I'm sorry, the grocery guy. But um, I feel like without it, the episode would be a little bit weaker. I think it's a good setup to what the premise is and gets you into the story. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, definitely. So I I do like also the uh, map that he has behind him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) I like that Ohio for him is always middle America, even though it's clearly not. Like, if it's always, like, the middle of the country, you know, like... Uh, I don't know why, too. Like, whenever a story is set in Ohio, I'm like, I live there! Like, yeah. I get excited. It's I not don't... all farms. Only, yeah. like, yeah. only like 80% of the state yeah. is farms. <laughs> I mean, because I know he did spend some time in Cincinnati, and obviously he, he drove through Willoughby once. Like, yeah. Like, so, but I think also, whatever, what was it, Shatner, whenever he was at uh, Nick of Time, that was set in Ohio as well. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't there some sort of Sandusky connection, too? Uh, with, uh, we, with the game of pool, um, at the very end, yeah, he was being right. summoned yeah, Sandusky, Ohio. Sandusky. So yeah. that's right. Ohio so. is like, uh, I guess, it's the epicenter of... It's his Castle Rock. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, <laughs> and I grew up in Sandusky. So. There you go. So I grew up in Peaksville. Uh, there was no bar soap anymore. We, we hadn't seen that in about a year. Um, but there was a couple cans of tomato soup still left, and I really liked it. So. Is that the reason you don't sing anymore? <laughs> yeah. This is a good yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> we're, having, yeah. we're having fun, Steve. It's good that you said that, Steve. It's very good. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess, I mean, I guess we just get into it. Like, I like that when they talk about Anthony being a monster, it's like, clearly you could tell this kid's a redhead. So I'm like, yeah, all gingers are monsters. <laughs> like, that's like, but, uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know how to really get into this other than just like, I guess we can just talk it through. Like people are terrified of this kid because he has the ability to alter reality. Yeah. So yeah. you start out with that, uh, the grocery delivery guy coming in and you can tell that he's kind of nervous, but he's being really nice to the kid, Anthony, who. I love that he has created some sort of monster. It's like a three-headed gopher. Yeah, yeah. That he's he's created or something or willed into existence, like a tulpa or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you you find out that he basically can make people disappear. Yeah, and so like whenever the guy's like, "Oh, that's really good. I've never seen a three-headed gopher before." You see Anthony hold up this tail, like just, yeah. and that's all you get of it. And I understand that they're limited by budget. 
But at the same time, I guess they actually made it, and they said it was too. What they made was too horrific for TV. <laughs> so it's like even, but it makes me oh. wonder what it really looked like. But still, the fact that they had a three-headed gopher, and this kid's just oh, I keep, I keep hitting everything here. It's very good that I keep hitting everything. Uh, but <laughs> it's very it's, good. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, but he he just pulled it almost into the frame, and it's like something about his matter of fact being a kid talking about it is just so creepy, you know. Yeah. And yeah, like I. Less is more in this episode. Yeah, you know. definitely. Um, yeah, it, I, I kind of want to bring up early on, going through the short story, he is way younger in that one. Oh. So there's more of a malevolence to him in this episode because he is, what what they say, he was six or nine? Some, so he was, yeah, he oh. wasn't nine. I think he was like six or seven, something like that. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He's getting to that age to where... He, he could be a smart, ugly little brat kid, you know, like like most kids would be challenging authority and, and all that, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think the kid in the the story, I think they were getting at, he was closer to like three or four. And just didn't know. He just didn't know. Yeah. Like he would try and help people, but he didn't understand how to help. So he would end up screwing things up more for people. That's but then if he was mad at you, he yeah. just didn't know wrong from right. So it's, I don't know if it's more terrifying, it makes him less evil, whereas in this episode, like, you can tell he knows wrong from right, and he gets that look on his face that is, at least he looks like f***ing Damien from the moment, excuse my language. (laughs) (laughs) It's good that you swore, Kevin, it's good that you dropped an F-bomb on this episode. Well, I, um, I think it's more scary if the kid was younger because he doesn't know, and like, I've talked about this before, there, there is that episode in the 80s series where... It's the father with the son who is mentally uh, uh, handicapped that has the ability to bring things to him, and he doesn't understand the difference between what's on TV and what's in front of him. And yeah. for some reason, as a kid, that messed with me. So the idea of almost like you, you this is pure chaos because this this kid can't understand. Yeah, like, like he'd read your thoughts, and I think one of the references was maybe your wife has cancer or something and that's in your thoughts, and he gets these extreme thoughts out of your head. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I can help. And yeah. it, who knows what he does to help? Like he doesn't know how to cure cancer. Like he doesn't have the, you know. So <laughs> it could be turning her into an animal, a different life form, you know, to cure it or something. But having like, that kind of pure, like I don't know, terror, I think that'd be hard in a TV show. So actually, paying the kid is more, yeah, more, it's like more malevolent. Yeah, and, yeah. I think it. I think it paints a better visual picture for a TV show than what he did in the short film. But yeah, I, mean, I just thought it was interesting because the introduction of this character and just seeing, and it, you mentioned the fact that he was so matter of fact about picking up the yeah. animal. Like, look what I did. Yeah. It, it kind of plays into where the short story was going with this character. Okay. It's just like, I'm a kid. Like, here's what I did. Well, they even <laughs> talked about later whenever he's talking to his dad and he's like, where were you? He's like, I was at the barn looking at the cow. He's like, oh, you were? It's good that you looked at the cow, Anthony. And he's like, He's like, remember when you looked at the pigs? He's like, yeah, I made them into monsters. He's like, it's good that you made them into monsters. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, yeah. So yeah, I, so, I, yeah, I skipped I skip by some of the good other good talk. There, yeah, it's but, good. Yeah. So uh, it's good that you skipped over it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that joke's never going to stop. Yep. Yeah, so the delivery guy comes in the kitchen. He's dropping the bags off and everything. And that's what you referenced, the soap and the soup and everything. Um, he, he brought... Anthony's favorite tomato soup and he's like make sure you tell him make sure you tell him uh, that it's from me and the mother this was a great moment from in her performance she was talking about the fact that uh, he made an he made an animal or made a dog or something recently Mm -hmm. and it tried to bite him so Anthony made it disappear 
and she gets a moment where she kind of trails off and says like i was hoping that yeah his his creation would take him out yeah but yeah. she doesn't say that no. she just leaves it as like i was for a moment just thinking that or hoping that and she just lets it go and you can tell bill the delivery guy is just like just eh, just, just stop just stop let's, talk, let's so, talk about some soups more you know yeah yeah so he leaves and she mentions that later that night or the next day or something they're gonna have a surprise party for dan hollis and they're there it's tv night it's so they're all gonna night, come yes. over and watch uh, whatever television that anthony puts on the screen <laughs> yeah um so and then that's whenever um you know uh, anthony goes out to the barn uh and the mom's talking to aunt aunt may i think whoever the the one who is um uh, aunt amy aunt amy aunt may i'm going spider-man what is yeah. wrong with me? <laughs> um I'd, obviously i just wanted to talk about spider-man i guess but like and she's the one that's kind of the vacant shell of herself so she's saying things that are obvious but it's like she's not she's not aware anymore of anthony's power she's like it's she's like it's too hot and it's like no, it's not. It's a perfect day out. And she keeps talking about, like, he shouldn't be in the barn. It's like, no, it's good for Anthony to be in the barn. Like, she's the only one speaking reality because she doesn't understand anymore. And yeah. that's, uh, and you can see on Cloris Leesman's face, it's like, just like, just stop talking. Just stop talking because, you know, you're going to, you're going to cause worse things to happen to yourself, you know? So, and then Anthony goes into the barn and looks at the cow and does not turn into a monster to our knowledge. Yeah. 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 So, um, the next scene we have him in the, in his parents' bedroom, his dad's getting dressed, and uh, he's kind of laying on the couch talking to him, and the dad's acting much like the delivery boy was, just, you know, like, oh, it's good that you were in the barn. It's good that you uh, that you did that and everything. And he starts looking around the room, and he's looking under the bed and everything, and the dad, you can see the nervous reaction on his face, and he's he's asking, like, are you looking for something? What's What's going on? He's like, ah, I just wanted some kids to come over and play. <laughs> it, we had some kids come over recently, and he's like, "Well, maybe it's because you made them all disappear into the <laughs> cornfield." <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> which is terrifying. And it's some of the stuff in the short story, just talking about how he sent people into graves in deep, deep in the cornfield. Oh. Like it, it goes to some dark places. Whereas this, they're like, he made them go to the cornfield and disappear. I think well, that's one of the like phrases that stuck with me the most in this episode. Like, it's just a terrifying. It's completely simple, but it's like he sent him to the cornfield. Like, it's you yeah. don't know what's there, but you know it's bad. Whatever it is, yeah, it's it's very nightmarish. <laughs> but I also like that the dad, as much as he is a prisoner to Anthony, he keeps saying things like, "Well, this is why this happened. This is why no one's coming over." He's not trying to straight up say, "You you know you need to change your ways," but it's like he's trying to plant these thoughts of like maybe it will be different if you don't do that. Like, and he's the only one really trying to exert any type of like control or not control, but trying to, you know, make Anthony realize the error of his ways. And I, I appreciate that, but there's still a desperation of like, Oh yeah. When you made the pig monsters. Yeah, that was, Oh, that was, that was, that was funny, but maybe you shouldn't do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, then the conversation changes too. Cause he's talking about, you know, one time I heard this guy, he was thinking bad thoughts about me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I set him on fire. <laughs> no, he, he didn't say set him on fire. What did he say? I wrote that down. That's, uh, um, uh, that's why I made him go on fire is what he yeah. said. And, and something about the way he said that, you're like, that's way worse than saying, that's why I set oh, him on yeah. fire. It's, it's so innocent. It's just like, I made him go on fire. Yeah. Um, but in the background, you can hear a dog barking out there, and you find out that he doesn't like dogs. There's a neighborhood dog they made disappear, and 
he's been making all the animals and stuff disappear in the neighborhood. So the dog keeps barking outside, <clears throat> and eventually he goes to the window and makes that dog disappear. And you just hear the barking stop, and that's it. Yeah, well, another, you actually uh, hear more of like a like okay. a whimper too. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yeah, I know that because you're like, what did he do to it before he made it disappear? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm picturing like in the fly when like the baboon goes in and comes back out, you know, inside out or something. <laughs> like, well, that's a great thing about this episode is pretty much everything happens off screen, so it leaves a lot to your imagination. Yeah, and uh, again, that's something in the short story that most of it's left to your imagination. It's just like monsters were made. Things yeah. disappeared. Things went deep, deep into the ground in the cornfield. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not horrifying at all, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that Serling took a lot of the, uh, the vagaries that were placed in the short story and that kind of Lovecraftian, like, this is, it, this is indescribable. You know, I'm glad that he took that and kind of, probably for budgetary constraints, like you said, I'm glad that he had he adopted that into this episode. Well, that, and if you show too much, then the, like, you're right, your imagination's way scarier, so I... I yeah, and, but we've know. seen the Twilight Zone go there with, like, the aging effects and yeah. the devil effects. Like, we've seen them go for it. Um, but I, I don't know about as far as this episode goes at certain points. That's true, um, yeah. But I, I like to think that Serling had the idea, like, maybe we pull back on the special effects in this episode and just let it be more of the imagination. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it works to its strength. So so then we find out, we go to television night or TV yeah, night. Yeah, TV night. TV night. Um, I don't know if you guys, it's my favorite show. It's uh, Dinosaurs Fighting. That's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. I was, everyone's reaction as they were watching the TV, they looked horrified. Because the noises, like, do you, did you pay attention to the sounds coming out of the TV? The sounds are way worse than what you're seeing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, I almost captured just that by itself because it was pretty horrific sounding. <laughs> and everybody's just kind of watching in, like, like, terror and also, like, confusion. Yeah. And, and, uh, everyone just randomly applauding during the dinosaur fight. Yeah, it's two triceratops like going at each other like it's primal rage of the video game. Like and uh, um, and and so here's here's some trivia. The the those were made by the same guy that made the dinosaur in the Odyssey of Flight 33. I was I was assuming it was. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's left a mark. You know, yeah. but but I like that it was these two triceratops fighting right, and then all of a sudden the one dies, and he's like, and then Anthony's just like he claps his hand, he's like, that's it, TV's done, and everyone's like, that was good TV. That's way better. Than the other TV that like regular TV. Yeah. I just like the idea that Buck Houghton got his hands on all that dinosaur footage, and he was like, "Serling, we gotta use this stuff. This is gold." Like, like, it's like, and it is. It's like, fantastic stop motion stuff. And I I love it. But it's just it's funny how many times I'm curious to see if those dinosaurs are gonna pop up again later on in the series. The way you describe it though makes me think that he's. Set up, I don't know if you've ever seen Ed Wood. Where he's looking at all the stock footage, yeah. and he's like, I could make an entire movie out of this. Yeah. Like, Why are the buffalo running away? There's something going on with this government testing. Like, you know, we, like, we can <laughs> use this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so it's just, this This is the thing that makes me think about the film. And for whatever reason, because the, the, the film portion of It's a Good Life, as a kid watching that and seeing that portion of that film where it was that horrific cartoon that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't think I was ever exposed to cartoons that weren't like aimed at kids at that point that screwed me up <laughs> as a kid and something about like the, the person like it was his sister quote unquote ends up in the cartoon and getting like, like swallowed whole. Yeah. Like that I was done. That messed me up. <laughs> like, I just couldn't handle that. And so this is way more tame 
but it's like it, it kept making me think about that, so I was uncomfortable the entire time. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. I I can't wait to go back and rewatch the movie because it is it's probably been about a decade since I've seen that film, and now going through these episodes like this, it's it's going to be so interesting. Yeah. Um, what other episode? I know there is Kick the Can. There is this one. There is uh, Terror at Twenty Thousand. Um, well, I think the first, and then the fourth one, the first story in the movie. Well, aside that from, was an original. Aside right? from the, yeah. the 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 um the wraparound of um Dan Aykroyd saying he wants to see something really scary. Yeah. Uh, with Albert Brooks, which just still bothers me too. I don't know why. It's such a stupid thing. But as a kid, that bothered me. The first one is um, uh, what's his name? It's the uh, Vic Morrow story, isn't the it? Vic Morrow, yeah, where he, right. he's the racist and he's yeah. being put in all that stuff. I think that's the one that it was John Landis' segment. Yeah, that was the original yeah because Joe Dante one. did. Uh, this one, yeah. I believe. Okay. Also, director of the Burbs, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. Um, and no, Gremlins. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and but, Piranha. Uh, yes. That, um, that's. I like. Those are all good. Um, but uh, he did but, Piranha, right? Yeah. Did he do Piranha? Yeah. 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 That's I, his first film. Cameron did the second one. That's why I started thinking James <laughs> yeah. Cameron. Yeah. The Spawning or whatever. It was. Um, right, so, sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, the whole the whole TV thing, like just it's. For a kid that can imagine whatever he wants, it's it's interesting to me that he uses the medium of the television to see the thing he's thinking about. Like that's kind of a weird thing because like he this is his reality, but he's like I'm going to project dinosaurs fighting, and that's what I want. And it's like I there's just so many questions there, but I, but I liked all the looks of the people's faces of like I guess we're just stuck watching dinosaurs. He should have just turned the horses in the barn into dinosaurs and had them fight. Right, I think like the pig monster should have been Triceratops, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just uh, I that was that was just a good sequence of them all again to seeing them all like just handcuffed to the situation and being polite and nice and it was good TV. It was yeah. very good TV. So it transfers immediately after that to Dan Hollis's surprise party, which I guess as soon as TV was over, they're like surprise, yeah, <laughs> it's your party. Um, so he receives a, a gift from his wife, and it's uh, Perry Como. Uh, vinyl yeah and he's, he's really excited about it because you get the idea that they haven't gotten any other type of media outside of what anthony has given them out of his brain so he wants to play it and i i think it's uh uh mr uh freeman that's like maybe not like yeah. maybe we shouldn't play that he's yeah. like we could play this up until the singing happens he's like well we won't know for sure where the singing happens yeah like it was just like for for anthony not liking singing you think he would have wished away all all records, like, yeah. <laughs> but then they go and sit at the piano and play music, and it's yeah. just like. But I love that whole time when he's like, "We should listen to this." They keep cutting to Anthony; it just gets more and more oh. upset. The, he's the ticking time bomb the entire time because there's like there's things that happen. They're like, he is sitting dogs away for less. You know, yeah. you're just watching Dan just slowly. Well, just, yeah, this whole yeah. sequence when it's like very you said, unnerving. They get. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, they get the the guy. Uh, was it Pat to sit down at the piano and play? This is this is such a great sequence all the way to the end of this episode. I love it. Yeah, I was just going to comment that I thought it was weird that his wife would be like, "What's the one thing I can give him at the birthday party that'll set him off? I'll give my husband a record <laughs> and some peach, yeah. some peach brandy or whatever, peach whiskey." Yeah, if she something. wouldn't have given him the record, he wouldn't have gotten upset about not being able to listen huh. to it. He would not have drank the entire <laughs> bottle of peach brandy. Wouldn't have knocked over every glass in the house. Uh, <laughs> so it is his wife's fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she she just knew she set like, him off. All you need to do is have a little bit of a push with a record. You know, yeah. and that's it. You know. 
Yeah. Should have just got him, uh, I don't know, canned soup. Well, yeah, well, because like, that's the thing that they kind of, they, they, they imply that this this reality of Peaksville has been going on uh, however long, right? Because, I mean, because the grocery guy says, we haven't had that in a year. So you don't know how long. Yeah, the soap. Like, how, how long this the, the outskirts of Peaksville, everything else has just not existed. And, it, and I know that's one of those things that you think now, like, 50 years later, it's like, how did they function at all then? Like for a lot of this, because other than asking Anthony to make it happen, you never got the idea that they asked Anthony to make, you know, goods and services, you know, like he, they just kept scavenging, you know, scavenging, not scavenging. That's not a word. Um, it's like, they just kept like, like hoping that the store would have the supplies each week. It was yeah. a weird, it was a weird life cycle there. Well, I think it's funny. Cause I mean, six year old boy probably doesn't like taking baths. You know, so I think it's I think it's funny that the soap is gone, and they're probably like, "Don't ask him for soap." Like, just don't. Like, it kind of makes sense that that would be something that they wouldn't ask him yeah. for. So I I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff that you could nitpick and try and figure out yeah. uh, why or well, because, how uh, it's happening. But like Dan I, is he's getting drunk and saying like he 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 numbers off the remaining alcohol like the remaining liquor yeah. like there's like only like five bottles left. He's like yeah. what are we going to do after this? I'm like that's a very good question. What are you going to do? Because you just drank that entire bottle here and now you're worried about conservation after you got ripped off. Of <laughs> yeah. But to yeah. speak highly of this episode. Um, those kind of nitpicks and everything are something that did not cross my mind while I was watching this oh, episode. Because yeah, no, I... you're so invested in, the, like you said, it's such a ticking time bomb of a story that it, it it doesn't matter. You're so involved in the story that you don't even think about it. Like, now, going through it with a fine-tooth comb, you're going to start thinking of these things. But while you're watching it, you're you're totally in on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so Dan keeps getting more and more uh, you know, not aggressive, but you know, more known. And 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 Anthony's like, no noise during music time. Yeah. And and so I like Pat playing the piano, just sweating, sweating. profusely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's like, well, what would you like me to play, Anthony? He's like, well, whatever. And he's just like, that's like the worst thing to be like. All right, well, you're giving me like free will to do what I want, but I know I'm going to play the wrong thing. What about this uh, a classic Perry Como song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, his wife goes up this, and she stands by the piano. You almost expect her to start singing, like, the way she was, like, standing right beside him. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't do that, you know? But yeah, they, so they're playing Moonglow or whatever. And, yeah. then, and then Dan comes over and he's like, you should be playing Happy Birthday. You should be playing what I, it's my birthday. And it's like, you're getting drunk and you're upset that the the six year old wants to hear other music. <laughs> the six year old that has god powers. Way to go, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he keeps knocking glasses over and everything. Anthony doesn't like the noise. Um, he comes over, starts singing Happy Birthday and everything, and the kids getting more and more upset. They're his parents are holding his wife's back so she doesn't yeah. get involved and kind of covering her mouth so she can't make any noise. And eventually he... She was hiding the smile because she saw her plan perfectly working out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're on to Ethel. Yeah. <laughs> we're on to your plan, Ethel. Um, so eventually he ends up calling the kid out. And he's like, "Like you were a terrible kid. Somebody needs to end this. Like, And he starts singing, you are my sunshine, randomly, which is strange. Yeah. But, uh, whatever. But they're like, you guys can stop this before he... Th- wishes me away like you somebody come up behind him and just That's take the kid out of the episode yeah and you get that shot of aunt amy uh deciding whether or not to grab the, like the poker yeah the, the fireplace, fireplace poker yeah. um and sh- she ultimately ends up not grabbing it but you could see that everyone's like on the verge of doing it and they decide like 
probably shouldn't. <laughs> well, I just like, I, like he's saying his plan. He's like, while he's thinking about me, someone hit him. It's like I don't know if you should be telling the the god kid like someone should come from behind. It's like it's it's almost should be the one of those unspoken things of just like like staring and then like looking over at like a lamp and then looking back and then looking back like just do it, you know. But yeah, Dan, uh, he uh, he was trying to to save the day, I guess, in his own way. And then um, and then Anthony uh, <laughs> looks at him and points at him and says, "You're a bad man." Yeah, and then gives one of the probably the more iconic you know images in the Twilight Zone, and and I love how they show it, and then what in your mind is way different than what's actually on the screen. You yeah, know? like uh, how they you see the silhouette of a Jack in a Box with just the spring and the head with the little dunce cap, and then it cuts to and if you look at it real closely, it's the actor with the shirt off, like you can see the <laughs> tops of his shoulders, and he and it's it's Dan with the dunce cap on, he's just kind of bobbing back and forth, and then then everybody reacts in horror. Gosh darn, I keep hitting everything here. Um, you're gonna send me away to the cornfield, um, and and yeah, it's just this real quick cut of like you you get the idea that his head's on the jack of the box, but they never show it explicitly, yeah. you know, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's a terrifying thought because, like, imagining the construction of that is that that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so eventually it, he ends up making him disappear. Well, because um, the dad asked him, he's like, can you please? Yeah, you like, make this monstrosity <laughs> disappear. There is a a man's severed head on a spring in a box. <laughs> like, please get this out of our living room. Yeah. Um, so they show the shadow uh, again as it disappears. And right after that, they look out the window, and they see that it's snowing outside. And uh, the dad kind of questions him. He's like, but you're making it snow. It's going to kill half the crops. And he's like, well. He's about to lose it, and the wife like stops him. And he's like, but but it's good that you made it snow. Yeah, he <laughs> says, uh, tomorrow's going to be a real good day. Yeah, that's and that's it. how they end it. And it's it's really close to how they end the short story as well. There's, there's a line... Um, they don't see it snowing. The party ends. He makes the people disappear and stuff. And then the last line of his, of the n- last line of the short story is, "It snowed the next day and killed half the crops." <laughs> That's the oh. final. It's so depressing Whoa. and like out of oh. nowhere. It's just like, oh my god! Wow. No, this is this is probably one of the darkest. Like, just we're done here. Stories that we've seen in the yeah. series. I was waiting for a twist. I was because I was like, well, maybe there'll be some twist that like maybe Aunt Amy's controlling him or something. Uh, nope. No. Uh, the kid has god powers and is evil. Like and you, is you, killing the town off one by one. They could have went back to the gag of having Sterling being wished away to the cornfield, like they did at the end of season <laughs> one. With uh, that would have been great. He'd been like, "You're a bad man. You're a hacker, or whatever." Just send him away. But I don't think this episode deserves that kind of humor. No, <laughs> no, not at all. No. Um, but I like how Sterling ends the episode with saying, "No comment here," and then he keeps talking. Like, no, <laughs> no, you just said no comment, but now you're going to keep explaining things. But no, it's it's a hell of an ending. And I, like I said, the beginning with his intro where he says, "In the twist is the monsters, this kid." Like you, the the twist then is that there is no twist. Yeah, like, it's he broke a, the mold in this yeah. episode, and it was it was refreshing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just I thought that for a 1960s show to have an episode that like the basic climax is, is trying to decide whether or not to murder a kid is yeah. pretty bold. Um, and yeah, I would say horrifying, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, story idea. So, yeah. but um, I just, that tension that builds yeah. from the time he starts playing piano and having Don or Dan, the actor's name is Don and the character's name is Dan. 
um, having Dan slowly like making noises and getting more and more belligerent in the background and just seeing everyone get more and more nervous for him yeah. as it's going, it's, it's some of the best tension that we've seen so far on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the word good is repeated 46 times in this episode. I believe it. Uh, and it's good that they repeated it. That many times. Um, and so according to Buck Houghton, when someone would screw up on the set, they would say, well, that's a good thing you did. <laughs> I, I like that, that they all kind of, they all just kind of got on with the joke. It was like, it's good that you screwed that's up. That's fun. How can you not? Yeah. Um, so, oh. it's, and well, um, you know, it's a, it's good. It's it, good. It, it, it happened. It's, I'm just um, going to wish the dog away now. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, just, I mean, I have nothing else really other than the episode. Is It's just a very, um, it's just a dark ride all the way through. And considering that I sometimes want a more serious Twilight Zone, this is it, you know, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I appreciate it. And you know how much I love the dark endings. Like yeah. this one, I I sat there and just like, oh, <laughs> at yeah, the end you're, of you're, that. Waiting, you're waiting for some type of reprieve, right? Yeah, and, it's like, and there's it none in sight. It's just more darkness. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do you have anything else you want to add for the episode proper? No, no, I just, uh, I think that, uh, it's rightfully one of the top episodes. I mean, I, I obviously halfway through the, this, the series, you know, it's definitely up there for me as well. Um, there are certain episodes that I probably like more, but just because of small things that happen in the episode, not specifically like the entire episode itself, but, um, yeah, it's, it's easily understandable why it's one of the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, the, so this was named third uh, best episode behind Time Enough at Last and The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to tip my hat where this lies for me in this season because we got to do our top list at the end. <laughs> yeah, so. and we still got a long way to go. We so. do. We um, do. And I'll, let's see. So when we, we talk about um, Bill uh, Yummy Mummy uh, not uh, <laughs> remembering being the kid. He said, uh, he's like, I always liked Anthony and I kept uh, Anthony with me. I'll send people to the cornfield when I'm really pissed at them. He's like, I mean, I'll do it. Not that it works, but it's just a release for me. So he would just stare at people and just be like, go away. And they wouldn't, you know, like, so I like that. He's like, you know, he kind of like, I'd also know the director worked with him to always like not blink. Like when he's getting like, like upset, like have big eyes and Flurry's nostrils out. So that, that was a very, you know, that's, that's the most menacing a kid can look. And, yeah. I, and they worked with him to do that. So I liked, I, I liked think, that. I think it says a lot because long distance call, you did not like his performance at all. No, for, um, not really. I mean, I, I, no, I, I, I thought I remembered you. Uh, no, I mean, no, I agree issues. with you. No, 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 I, I, you're right. I really didn't like his performance. Oh, okay. 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 I, I thought you were saying, no, <laughs> no, no I liked no, it. No, 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 no. I did not like his performance. Okay. In order, in order of people that episode him, the grandmother, <laughs> and then the parents. That's the only four people in the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he was better in this. And I think, uh, they didn't give him a super ton of lines to say all like in a row, other than the one discussion with his, uh, dad in the bedroom where he's talking about, well, somebody one time was remembering or thinking something, who was it? Like they didn't give him a ton of dialogue to have to constantly remember. It was just more reactions. And I think it's easier at that time to get a reaction, a face reaction out of a kid than for him to remember word for word, everything to be said, Yeah, you know? So no, good performance. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing that really carries this episode through because visually there's not too much going on in this one. Like, it's it's not a very memorable, outside of, like, the shadow stuff at the end with the jack-in-the-box and, yeah. uh, like you said, the tail being pulled up and everything. It's it's not that striking of an episode, um, but just the performances out of everyone, just trying to put on the smiles and half-crying 
as the guy's playing piano and they're trying to have a party. Yeah. Everyone nails it. And there are a few people in this that really did not do much acting work. And uh, it, it was kind of surprising just how well everyone responded to this. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. So, um, yeah. I, I don't really have any other, other notes. Um, I was just going to say, uh, since we've been talking about Stephen King a lot on Evasion, there is a book that he wrote uh, under uh, Richard Bachman, which is his pseudonym, called The Regulators. That dealt with a small town, a street in Ohio, actually, <laughs> uh, in which there's a kid that has uh, has all, has like reality warping powers as well, and he has this entire street just uh, like held hostage. And in his big thing is he loves this one certain like uh, like animated sci-fi action show, and those vehicles show up coming down the street, and opening fire on the houses. Oh. But they're shooting like cartoon bullets, like the big long black bullets that don't like they look like like a kid's imagination of what a bullet would be. Hmm. But it's but this whole thing of just like he is just he has this imagination, and there people are under siege by a kid's imagination, and it's and it, you could definitely tell that that this the, this influenced that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said, the yeah. story went on to influence a lot of people. There's a there's a ton of stories and a ton of media out there that seems to have pulled from this short story. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's all I got for for this uh, for this episode for it's a good life. Um, I guess I guess we'll have to do uh, the twist meter. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, so Steve, uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna rate the, how much you like the episode based upon. <laughs> the twist. Um, there you go. So sorry, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't really know. I don't want to give it a zero, but there's no twist. <laughs> Like well, oh. classic episodes Twilight Zone, no twist. <laughs> well, there is a twist. He says it at the beginning. Yeah, it was revealed before the episode story was told. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the thing you know, the thing that keeps sticking with me is just how like frantic. Um, uh, I can't think of his name is at the end before he gets turned in the Jack in the Box, and he's he even says to him, he's like, "You brought him into this world." Like, yeah, he blames <laughs> the parents. <laughs> yeah, he just calls him out. Like, this is your fault. You know, and it just keeps going from there and there. So, I mean, I, the episode, I think, is, again, I already said, like, I think it's one of my favorites, but I, there, there's no twist. Like, I don't know how to rate it. Like, Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I'm giving it a four from the from the knowledge that if it was my first time watching this on a Friday night, sitting at home with Rod telling me this kid's a monster, and with the knowledge that we have of, like, two other seasons of The Twilight Zone, that there has to be something else coming. And then the episode just ends with him you know, causing the snow to fall and wishing people away. Like, I think that I would have had a bad night the rest of that night because of that. So I'm not saying it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm rating it just from the idea of putting myself in the shoes of watching it the first time when it aired. And I, it's sometimes it's hard for me to do, but this would have probably just been like just a punch to the face and be like, all right, enjoy your weekend. You know, <laughs> it's real good that you rated it. Though. <laughs> um, it's, it never not, it's never yeah. not funny. Um, I'm, I'm going to go three and a half just because I like the idea that at some point they're like, why is everyone disappearing? And they're like, oh, it's this kid. So, like, the twist was revealed before we jump into the story. And I think that's a really interesting way that Serling took this teleplay. Um, but that being said, there's really no revelation at the end of this episode. No, so, no. but and, like you said, it's it's interesting too because you're expecting some sort of swerve. Um, like I said, I was like, oh, maybe the ants controlling him. Maybe there's something else going on. No. Well, and, and like Sterling always, he tends to sometimes 
well, at least when reading with this stuff, people were some of his more serious, darker episodes. People would write in and be like, "We like some of your lighter stuff too." So he was trying to really find this balance between, like, you know, a downer and then a fun one, right? And and so like <laughs> this is the most unbalanced of the dark episodes I think yeah. <laughs> ever. Well, it's like, but think about like the one we just watched with the grave, where that's like that one was kind of a. That was kind of a downer ending in the sense of like you didn't. It was more ambiguous, but it didn't end on a good note, you know. And then the one next week actually deals with uh, a, an SS officer going back to a concentration camp. I don't God. think that's a laugh a minute. Yeah, so. I was just yeah. gonna say I, I I'm ahead of you guys, and the yeah. next one's a pretty heavy episode as yeah. well. No, so. Dick York. I, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, we're actually going to watch the Jerry Lewis film, The Clown Who Laughed. Like, <laughs> no, the day the clown cried. That's what yeah, it's called. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh man. So. I know he tries to find this balance of like, so it makes you wonder if people are like, is this one where it kind of has a better ending? Because I know that the revisited one, like it's still a good life. The the hook of that is that Anthony's kid is actually has the same power set he has, but she's stronger. Yeah. And he starts yeah. to kind of get this idea that it, we probably need to, to, to work on recreating the world than just destroying it. Yeah, she has the ability to bring people back, I think is what Something like yeah. that, yeah. So but, she can kind of like counteract what Anthony's doing. But even the movie, if I'm not mistaken, Matheson... Uh, put in a happy ending in that. Yeah, a relatively happy that. ending. Yeah, yeah so with them going off in a little. They took it a little BW. bit lighter. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, but think about the mind of the matter from last season. Very similar ideas, right? With the uh, the guy just being annoyed with the world and then wishing it away, or sorry, concentrating it away. And then at the end, where he's like, "Nah, it doesn't matter." Like, and it's like, and then all of a sudden, everything's back to normal. Like you could have had this cop out. And I feel like, thankfully, this this episode exists because otherwise. If that was Serling's only ever attempt at like someone controlling the reality around them, that was a really bad, rough first draft. Yeah, just no consequences. Like, yeah, this one, it's over. It's over yeah. for these people. I and mean, of course, that's more of the story than Serling. But yeah, anyway. So yeah, um, I, I think it belongs it's in, up there with best episodes. It's, it's going to be weird to see how I feel about the season because I feel like sometimes I pick episodes from the season not necessarily because of how much people like them how much i like them yeah and well, um, my favorite's gonna be the grave just because <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has all it has all the leaves in it and it's a western and there's possibly a ghost um so yeah uh i think that's going to do it for the discussion for this um we'll do some housekeeping here kevin how can people find us hey you can find us on facebook and instagram at strange highways you can email us or leave us voicemails at strange highways podcast at gmail.com and then if you would rate and review us on iTunes, it would definitely help us out. And if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Satchel, Podcasts, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. And Steve, how can people find you? Uh, I'm uh, on a podcast every week. You may have heard of it. It's called The Invasion of the Podcast. Um, please find me there. Also, you can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher uh, webcomic. Uh, just go to www. Uh, I always say www. Like people don't know that <laughs> go anymore. To, go to http <laughs> colon backslash backslash aol startup <laughs> the Saturday Night Slasher com. I'm also on Instagram under that and Twitter. Perfect. All right. So next episode is uh, Death's Head Revisited. Uh, the laugh a minute that we know it's going to be coming here. So <clears throat> here I here I go trying to get through this. Uh, I, my typing was even bad in this. So. <laughs> Because uh, it just starts off with this, the lobby. I'm pretty sure that I was sure sitting here with bated breath. I was yeah. like, oh, no, yeah. it didn't start. This is the lobby of an inn in a small Bavarian town. Next week, we'll enter it with a former SS officer. It's the first stop on his road back to relieve, relieve, relive a horror 
that was Nazi Germany. Mr. Joseph uh, Schildkraut and Oscar Beregi uh, demonstrate what happens to the monster when it is judged by the victim. Our feeling here is that this is a stark and a moving piece of drama as we have ever presented. I very hope that you're around to make your own judgment. So we got the guy from uh, the Rip Van Winkle caper coming back. The guy who was the the the, the German type of guy that, oh, that we liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We liked, we liked, liked him. We didn't like the episode, but yeah, yeah. he's coming back. So cool. that's cool. So And then also I think this Oscar um, Berge guy was the one that was supposed to be the one cast in um, The Obsolete Man. Oh, okay. Uh, that they, but they they went with Burgess Meredith instead. So that's yeah. kind of cool that we're going to see him now. So yeah, so that's going to be dealing with some of the horrors of World War II, and then I think the episode after that goes back to the Civil War again. So a lot of Man. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of a lot of things going on here. So anyway, Steve, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um. So and and thanks to Chuck Norris for dropping in. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm happy we could have you on. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. I know. Uh, Besides you doing the show, I know you've been listening, so it's it's cool to have you on and get your insight into these episodes. Yeah, and if there's anything in the future, any other uh, baseball robot related es- episodes that we cover, you're yeah, if definitely. you guys ever do like to get to the point where you're gonna revisit the sequel to this or visit the sequel to this, I would be interested in coming on for that. Or yeah, uh, I mean, movie we'll talk whatever. to you in like six yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll call the shot now and say maybe we should revisit that. Uh, in between seasons three and four, maybe we should take. Yeah, that would be yeah. that'd be a fun one to do. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down so, to do that. Cool. Um, right. We're getting close though. Terra twenty thousand. This is the season, right? No, I or think that's that season five. Five is it? Five. Yeah, no, I thought it was. Episode? Yeah, yeah. I think it's you're a ways season. away from it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because I was gonna say once we do that, I feel like we can hit the movie. Yeah, I think we're still a ways off from yeah, that. So. <laughs> All right. Um, well, yeah. Never mind, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a safe week and uh, just keep thinking happy thoughts. Yeah, it's good that you listen to us. That's all the television there is. Oh, it was wonderful, Anthony. Wasn't it, everyone? Oh, that was really good. Wasn't Anthony's television wonderful tonight? Oh, it's just the best. It was much better than the old television. Much better.